Interior. Night. Recording studio. Two redheads begin pre-show warm-ups. Red leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow leather. Jack, write that you gargle your water or something. Jack gargles some water. And then put that we say, welcome to Script Shop. Who? Me or you? Mm-hmm. You say it. Welcome to Script Shop. N- no, but like, really, say it. Like, right now. Like, right now. Let's go for it. Welcome to Scrimshaw. No, Jack. Top. <laughs> Omaha. No, Jack. Welcome to Script Shop. You know, I feel like I'm always the one that sort of kicks this off. And I know that yeah. coming out of the intro, you're the one that sort of gives us the big official welcome to Script Shop. Mm. And then it's me talking to start off the show. But I don't want to. Do you want to kick things off this time? Do you know, honestly, you're so much better at it than I am. <laughs> you really are. I'm really only doing this because I don't have anything clever to say. And I thought I'd just throw oh, the ball in your court. Okay. Uh, mm. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Script Shop. This is a podcast where we eat slices of pizza yes. mere moments before we start <clears throat> recording. I actually just put three slices of pizza in my mouth. It was wonderful. Did you make your pizza sandwich that you talked about a minute ago? Mm. I didn't because I thought I would only eat one piece of pizza. Then mm. I inhaled it, and then I was like, okay, two. And that's when we talked about pizza sandwich. And then I, went ahead, pizza and, sandwich. <laughs> then I went ahead and had a third, so... I didn't make pizza sandwich this time, but maybe next time. Pizza sandwich, ooh ha ha. Uh, <laughs> hi, everybody. This is our podcast where we make oblique references to Finding oblique. Nemo and then also talk to screenwriters about their scripts and things that they've written and uh, why it matters to them and why they are the ones that wrote this thing that we now have in our hands yes. and are telling you about. Right. We get to share their stories through their stories. And that is a very special thing that we love to do here on Script Shop. I'm Allison. I'm Jack. Hi there. And we are super excited to be with you here today. So if you have a story that you want to share with us and with our listeners, we'd love to read it. You can get it to us by going to scriptshopshow.com slash submit or going to Film Freeway and looking up Script Shop and submitting your script on there for us to read. If you hashtag it hot burrito or I guess we could throw on a hashtag pizza sandwich. I mean, that would be wild if somebody wanted to do that. Here's here's the thing. We've been doing this show for about a year now. Yes. Ah, and we, and, script shop. Script mm, shop. Mm, script mm, shop. And actually, we should point out, this is the, uh, shoot, I should, I, now I have a whole way of the way we could have started the show. This is the spooky show. Ooh, this is the Halloween show. This is the Halloween show. Man, we really, we really messed that up. Yeah, we I really did. We really messed that up. I really dropped the ball Completely. on that. But I'm, I'm going to embrace it. We're just going to lean into it. And Ugh. the significance of... The fact that this is the Halloween show. Do you know what this means? Tell me. This means that we've been doing this show for a year. Yeah, because we released the first Wednesday in November of last year with no- the first four episodes. November 1st of 2017 was when we dropped that That's first exactly batch of That's exactly right. Because so, that was Skinner, Golden Hill, Fortune, Nasty, and Something Missing, all on 11-1-2017. So not only is this the spooky show for the script show. It's our anniversary show. It's also our happy we anniversary. We missed- <laughs> So badly. I like the fact that I, I hope that it's it becomes a thing where we screw up oh, our anniversaries. Man, that the pizza distracted us. It's yep. the stuffed crust we ordered. My whole point in bringing that up was the fact that it, because we have been doing this show for a year now, it, we've built up a bit of a backlog of scripts that we are working our way through. And right. the reason that we have such things as hot burrito or pizza sandwich or whatever. Or hashtag missed anniversary. All those things. If you let us know that you have sent us 
your script and you include that sort of hashtag or tweet at us. One or all three of them. It doesn't matter. That lets us know that you listen to the show and that'll bump you up to the front of the line yeah. and we'll read your thing before we read all the well, other ones that we've got. Check wagons that don't actually listen to the show themselves. So anyway, that's why we have that as a promotion. That's the phrase that pays. Hashtag hot burrito. Hashtag pizza sandwich. Hashtag missed, missed anniversary. anniversary. We've got a lot of options for you out there. In terms of other options that we have for you, we're available to communicate with in a, in a lot of ways that don't involve you sending us your scripts. We are on Facebook. We are on Twitter. We are on Instagram. Script Shop Show. If you look us up on any of those websites, uh, you can find us and you can talk to us and you can friend us and you can follow us and we'll provide you little fun updates and little fun videos and little fun whatever other things that Pizza we do slices. online. Yeah, sure. That's an emoji. You can send it through text or whatever. Um, you can also send us fun things through the internet like Patreon where you can send us your money. <laughs> That's another fun thing that you can send online. Um, go to patreon.com, look up Script Shop Show. If you like what we're doing, send a couple of buccarinis our way. Frank, so we've been doing this for a year now. Did we? Is that everything we need to go through? We all, I like to check in with you occasionally to make sure that... Are we canceling the show or not, Frank? That's what we need to know right this now. Is that, this is what it's everybody... totally canceled. They're not even going to hear this episode. <laughs> just, we're just, well, don't say that. We got a guy waiting on hold to do the show now. Like, He's in on Julian it, Julian Gardea is today's guest. He brought us a horror script, Joe, which is a 118-page self-realization feature with horror slash revenge overtones. A story about cruelty and about inappropriate relationships and about spiders. Yeah, lots of spiders. And also historical, like, family things, too. Like, um, because, of course, our main character is adopted. Yes. And she goes back into her family history to figure out why this is happening to her now and it is all kind of like family history and i like i don't want to be too flip about it but if if, if you do get skeeved out by like <laughs> the talk of spiders like that's absolutely going to be a thing on the show because yeah. there, there's, there's a lot of spiders there's in the a spiders in the halloween episode <laughs> are you doing a pizza guy was that your spicy meatball voice hashtag spicy meatball voice if you also want to get the script voice i was trying to be dracula <laughs> You're, you were you were Dracula, but you were you were. I was you, Mario Dracula. Instead of Count Dracula, you were Count Marinara. There, I feel like Marinara, Dracula Capone. All those. Anyway, we should probably just go to Julian, right? Think, we're, yeah, because we're going to just talk about pizza this whole episode if we don't. We've driven into a weird rut that we need to just, I guess, work our way out of. Julian, no pressure, but you're going to need to help pull, tow us out of this rut if that's okay. Sure. Hi. Uh, first off, happy anniversary. Oh, thank you very thank much. Thank you. Oh, you're so sweet. And I'm so thankful that you guys are putting me during your Halloween one-year anniversary. That, I'm, I'm a big fan of Halloween. Mm. What's the best Halloween costume that you've ever had? Oh, um, the Chatterbox from the Hellraiser movie. Oh, yeah. And hooks in his mouth, and he just keeps like clamming his teeth up and down over and over. Ugh. That sounds very scary. I was just talking to somebody the other day. Somebody brought up Hellraiser, and they they were making the case that they don't necessarily like horror movies. And then I started listing a bunch of horror movies. Oh, yeah, I like that one. Oh, I like that one. And when we got to Hellraiser, the specific uh, discussion that they made was they're okay with Pinhead, but some of Pinhead's friends really weirded them out. (laughs) Really? Yeah, These and they're amazing. All of them. I, I think they're great too. He had a real. I think I don't know if it was Chatterbox or the guy that sort of like his whole neck was like opened up. Oh yeah, or was that the guy or was that the princess on one of the later movies? Yeah, that might be. I, I don't know if it was necessarily from one or not, but he. It, it was just so weird to me that this guy's whole thing was Pinhead's cool, but all of Pinhead's friends—that's the problem. 
<laughs> They're all scary, quite frankly. Yeah, for sure. Like, I... <laughs> also, Chatterbox kind of looks like the monster in Stranger Things, too. Oh, uh, yeah, a little in bit. Where? In Stranger Things. Oh, yeah. Kind of I can that. see where you got that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which is also terrifying. So I, you know, so have you been interested in horror and this kind of like lurky, let's say underbelly, scary stuff for a I, long time? Yes, I've been very fascinated with horror movies. Um, but uh, I guess when I was first exposed to horror movies and my fascination thereof was when I was with my family at Blockbuster, a name you don't hear too often anymore. And, Blockbuster. Um, <laughs> hmm, tell me about this place. I'm, I'm literally just kidding. We don't need to talk about Blockbuster. R.I.P. Blockbuster. Well, we were looking, like, I've, I've, like we were, you know, when I was a little kid, every, all the kids just watched kiddie films, and I wanted to watch my first scary movie, and me and my sister got to pick one each. So she chose um, George A. Romero's Night of the Living Dead, yeah. and I saw... Um, my parents were walking around. And I said, oh, wow, Night Gallery, the movie. And I was like, what's Night Gallery? So they said, well, let's, let's just watch it. So we watched Night Gallery, and it was fine. It was great. And had really a lot of scary moments, but were really fascinated, fascinated with the horror parts when my sister picked, um, you know, like Night of the Living Dead. And it was just the fact that it was just slow and creepy. Mm. And the fact that it's not monsters like you have seen in the later movies but um just like your neighbor your family your friend they're all coming after to eat you and i just thought that was just terrifying mm. yeesh so how old were you when you first saw that i think i was seven or eight yeah <laughs> and it's just stuck with you your whole life now yeah and i just been fascinated by horror movies and i i loved halloween and my friends hate me when i go with them to the haunted houses because i always had this habit of just going in first because they always pushed me to the front of the line i hated that <laughs> so it would always be my little revenge in just running ahead of them in the dark <laughs> and hiding somewhere along this haunted house or with the actors and just wait for my friends to pop out. You are so evil. just scare them all. Yeah. That, that's such a good move because if, if your friends are going to be jerks enough to put you in front, the only defense you have against that is to ditch them and just go forge ahead. Mm-mm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. <sighs> haunted houses yeah. are terrifying. Well, yeah, they're supposed to be. I, I've never loved a haunted house. I Like, if we were to go to a haunted house together, yeah. I would latch on to you. Okay. And I would put my face pretty much in your shoulder blades and that is how i shuffle along the whole thing is just squeezing the person in front of me as much as i can because it's terrifying frank i think we're going to need to make arrangements for a script shop road trip and go <gasps> Bonus to episode go to a haunted house and then talk about it afterwards that'd be a good idea so julia should do a live recording yes that's such a good idea yeah we've been wanting we have a bunch of ideas for the show and that we other things that we want to do with it that if somebody sent us some money on patreon they could buy our admission into a haunted house <laughs> then we could do that show please find it in your heart to give to the show and help us go to a haunted house so we can scream for a half hour won't you please for the less than the cost of a cup of coffee a day you you can can pay for us to go to a haunted house so julian this script specifically features a lot of spiders and you know it's it's interesting that you talked about you know night gallery and the things that you're into and and even the film that your sister wanted to watch that sort of had this sort of creeping sense of doom and this script that you sent to us joe it it does have a very slow, creepy kind of build to it. So that is that that's sort of in the vein of the normal things that you're into as far as scary stuff goes. Actually, I'm pretty eclectic when it comes to like the subgenres within the horror industry. I love slow psychological, and then I just love the fast pace, you know, running and 
Rampage or just the psychological thrillers of just mazes, you know. So my tastes are very variable depending what my mood is on that evening. Mm. So I'm just everywhere on the map. What was your mood like when you wrote this script? Um, my mood actually for the script was... I guess it's the way how I read about Joe's um, as far as the origin of the creature. It's actually based on a Japanese uh, mythological creature called uh, known as Jirogomo. And Jirogomo is basically a yokai. And I was first introduced into the world of yokai when my sister Selena was living in uh, just outside of Tokyo, Japan. Um, and she was telling me all these crazy mythology stories because she knew I loved mythology, folklore, and legends. One of my other favorite uh, folklore legend movies was Candyman. So yeah. um, when she told me about all these uh, yokais, I started looking it up. And then she told me about this one about a spider woman. And I had to Google it more. And that's how I came across Jirogamo. And I just love the story of how a seductive woman would um, play a shimasen or was it a shamisen. Basically, it's a three-stringed instrument, a traditional instrument that uh, they play. And she would just sing and play music until she um, lures uh, a lost traveler into the forest where Mm -hmm. her lair is. And then as he sits under her spell, her baby spiders would just come out of the darkness and start wrapping their webs around his legs and then eventually his arms. And then until he finally realized what's going on, he... uh, Notice that she tro- shows her true form to being a monster, and then she and her hundreds of spider children would just eat him slowly. So I wanted to like bring that kind of story into an American world as far as what would it be like if there was one among us. Well, that makes that whole description of her luring a man who's entranced by her music makes a lot of sense for the second director in the script. I'm just pointing out. Yeah, for sure. Because we talked a little bit about the sexual relationships there. Yeah. So, um, listeners, if you are, you know, entranced by this folklore, what we want to tell you is that Joe is the story of a young woman who's a bit, um, she's a bit shy. She plays in an orchestra and, uh, She's having some difficulty relating to people in the orchestra. The director is kind of entranced with her. Well, the initial guy's a jerk. The mm. Well, which initial guy? You're talking about the first... Dr. Nichols. Yeah, but he... I mean, he is a jerk, but he also, like, when he... I'm not saying he's not a jerk. Right. But when he has her in his office doing sexy things around her, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, he's saying that he's entranced with her and she's a great player and okay. that no, by no means means that he's a good person right, but right, right. he's definitely under her spell okay yeah that's true okay. anyway so you know there is some there is some illicit stuff going on for her unwillingly uh in the story but she ultimately has all these dreams about spiders and that mm-hmm. spiders are part of her history and they start showing up in her world and all of a sudden these bizarro things start happening where this this director guy gets bit by a spider that comes from her and then somebody tries to beat her up and they get mauled by a spider as well and people are dropping dead as she kind of comes into her full power as the spider woman from folklore as we've just just mentioned here so julian let me ask you this question uh one of the themes one of the themes that i picked up on in this script was there, there are a lot of sexual interactions that happen in the script, and I don't think any of them really end in a positive way at all. And I know that, I mean, to a certain extent, like if you watch Scream and they talk about the rules of a horror movie, and one of the rules is mm-hmm. like if you have sex, you're going to get punished. 
was there was there a conscious effort on your end to sort of incorporate that trope into the story, or is that just sort of the way things went for you organically? I guess it was both. You know, um, I, when it comes to sex and film, you know, I didn't want it to keep it, you know, like a happy ending, but I needed to remind the audience that sex in an environment, especially with the character Joe, who is also was also vulnerable, does have its consequences. And in the screenplay, it does show part towards Dr. Nichols and other characters. And towards the end, um, I'm not going to give it away the ending, but um, it just shows that even if it does end on a positive uh, note when it comes to sex, the nature of that person will come out in the end and destroy all the happiness. So um, I guess it was just both natural and at the same time, uh, how would I say this? Like I already thought of before I wrote down that part for Joe and the characters. Well, for, for the spider woman's folklore, you know, if she is just constantly putting men under her spell and then killing them, that makes a lot of sense in terms of if the character of Joe in the story as she's going through this journey, maybe she doesn't understand why all the people she's trying to have a sexual interaction with end up dead. Mm-hmm. But knowing the background, the folklore of this character, that that's kind of just how it has to play out. Yeah. There's no other way yeah. if that's who this character is. But at the same time, like the story can also be versatile towards the men or just anyone when they're coming across a creature like her. It's like a cautionary story, especially when we were little kids and we like learn about, you know, Red, Little Red Riding Hood, Hansel and Gretel, like don't talk to strangers, don't do this, don't do that. Um, I think it's just the story works both ways, like um, especially for Dr. Nichols when he should have just known better not to do what he was about to do. Yeah. Well, and he and Dr. Nichols is a creep, man. I, I mean, it, he gets what's coming to him in, in this kind of genre for sure. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And at the same time, it also teaches people, not just Dr. Nichols as a male, but the show's female counterpart later on in the script as well. You know, just the, just the common sense of mutual respect when it's not there you will get punished how did you develop the relationship between dr nichols and joe kind of the whole orchestral theme here where does that come from honestly i guess it was just the way i saw what was going on in her because i was when i wrote joe is long before you know um, the Harvey and Weinstein incident and the me too movement and you know the brett kavanaugh controversy um I guess we kind of, I see it every day when people, not only on the news, but in when you see it out on the public where someone is very disrespectful to someone of the opposite sex or someone who is physically weaker. And, you know, when you hear about bullying and if it's not sexual, it's physical or other. And it kind of just rolls up into this one moment because Joe as a character is not highly attractive and not highly uh you know, uh, outgoing, expressive, an extrovert, someone that you can easily miss at a party. But at the same time, this person is a person, and we have to pay attention to that moment. And unfortunately, those moments, uh, in order to see her, as far as the horror genre, is her unfortunately being a victim. But she can't stay a victim for long, and I just wanted to give her that power that she has to overcome her fears and to her predatory um, monsters to in order and become her own knight in shining. Well, let me ask you. Anyone else but herself? Do you do you relate to Joe in that way? Do you feel like you've been in situations that uh, you might have been passed over? No, 
Um, my writing is very versatile, but I try to be empathetic to a character. So usually my inspiration comes from music. And if I feel something good in the music or something bad or sad, I try to figure out what kind of person would be relatable to that song. And um, as far as Joe, it was the first time I didn't have any music relations. But as far as uh, myself into the character, it's pretty parallel. I try to put some portion of my life in her, as well as other people that I've heard their sad stories into, and just put it into her and try to get the audience to understand that this happens. It sounds like a lot of the uh, women's empowerment movement has really kind of inspired you because you talk about like having this woman come up to rise through some of her struggles. Do you feel mm-hmm. like those kinds of things have really focused you into this script? Actually, yeah. Most of my uh, writings, like this is my first screenplay, but I've written two other books that had female uh, leads. And I just... I guess one of the reasons that I find women really powerful, really strong, and actually over half the jobs I've ever had um, for work have always had uh, female employers. So I can always see that they've worked hard. They, you know, do, did their due diligence to get where they are now. And I just find that powerful, especially with my mom and my sister, Selena. So I just find women's empowerment just powerful. So I kind of wanted to put it there but also remind the audience in general like you know they're people too but they they will revolve if they're messed with yeah what about the idea of having like you know lessons and consequences for people who say abuse their power which dr nichols i think very much does and he very much gets punished for it in terms of like you know lessons and and punishing those who wrong someone else is that another theme that sort of finds its way into into your writing Yes. Um, there's a lot of things. Like, again, this is before all these controversies that you see on TV. Um, you always see someone getting hurt and always never um, feeling like justice has been served, even if they told someone. And I kind of wanted to just put that on screen to give people some sense of hope. Now, like, I'm not trying to condone uh, violence, but I'm just saying, like, karma does come around. So... I guess I just wanted to uh, magnify that within the horror genre. Mm-hmm. Have you? And um, so, is this kind of your first take on this specific type of horror? The other screenplays that you've done are those also horror as well? Yeah. So most of my books usually have like a thriller or uh, a horror concept, and it's um, usually around that area. I try to go through, through different genres, but it didn't feel real or authentic to me as far as writing it down. And I feel like horror is just more authentic. It gets a sense of a person like this may happen, not as far as supernatural, but the um, the uh, the extremes of how far a person will go to hurt oneself or another. Yeah, because the idea, I mean, power is really what plays into so much of this. And Dr. Nichols has power over Joe. Dr. Nichols has power over the other character in the script, Bonnie, who's mm-hmm. the lead violinist. And she's kind of a jerk to Joe anyway. But in, in terms of like power dynamics, I think that's really what you, you get into when you talk about abuse and people that are pressing somebody into something that they don't necessarily want to do and they, because they feel obligated because this other person has power over them. And I think there's a, there's a fairly strong theme of swatting that sort of activity down after it's committed exactly well i would love to go ahead and read a piece of the script um so julian we're gonna put you on pause just for a little bit so that we can get into your script with our listeners if you don't mind okay 
All right. So, listeners, we're going to be reading a piece of the script today. This is a pretty heightened piece that we're going to be reading. Yeah. This there's this is this can be in. Uh, I'm I, like I don't want to oversell it, but like this this is about a guy that's being very inappropriate with somebody again using his power. I think in a way that's extremely abusive. Right. And just you know, just hang with us because. I personally love how this ends up. That's true. I I just want to remind you that this is uh, the horror genre, mm-hmm. and it can be quite surprising at times. So um, today we're going to have uh, Jack reading for Dr. Nichols. Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. All right, that's fine. And uh, I will be reading for Joe and Frank as per his awesome self. We'll be doing our stage directions. So, Frank, if you want to say hey. Hi. There we go. And just for the record, we already mentioned the fact that Joe, as a character, is a uh, a, a Japanese American. She was adopted by a couple in Texas, actually. I know. Hashtag Texas. There's a there's a personal connection there for you. I love Texas. Okay. Yes, I love Texas. <laughs> I know you do. That's why I was bringing that up. Um, <laughs> Doctor Nichols is a creep, and Jack is culturally not a creep. Well, so gotta throw that out there. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Appreciate that. And uh, Frank, whenever you're ready, you can take it away. Interior. Dr. Nichols' office, day. Joe nervously stands before Dr. Nichols as he stares at her with his hungry eyes. Taking another sip, Dr. Nichols raises from his seat. Walking around his desk with his drink, he turns on his stereo and raises the volume as it begins to play classical music. Dr. Nichols stops at the front of his desk and sits on the edge. He takes another swig and finishes his glass. Wiping his mouth, he places his drink on the table and stares at Joe. Joe nervously looks up at his face and watches him glare in lust. Dr. Nichols slowly rises and walks towards Joe. Interior, performance theater, hallway, day. Outside Dr. Nichols' office, Bonnie smiles as she hears classical music muffling from his office. She opens the door but quickly loses her smile as she begins to close the door to a crack. Just enough to watch Dr. Nichols grab Joe by the shoulders and rub them. Her eyes began to look furious. Interior, Dr. Nichols' office, day. Joe becomes very nervous as he starts to massage her shoulders. You know, I am very sorry about that incident from earlier. Do you forgive me? It's okay, Dr. Nichols. You're very sweet and very beautiful. A talented musician as well. Thank you. Better than Bonnie, that's for sure. Bonnie becomes livid after hearing Dr. Nichols' words and slowly and quietly closes his door. Do you have someone special in your life, Joe? What do you mean? A man? Joe stands quiet for a moment. Are you a virgin? Joe's silence makes him smile. She becomes nervous as she watches him hold her hands and kiss them. Beautiful hands. Dr. Nichols begins to walk backwards, guiding Joe towards his desk and to sit on the edge. Reaching for her blouse, he begins to undo her top button. Joe quickly reaches for his hands while breathing nervously. What are you doing? Shh, don't be afraid. I'll be gentle. Stop. You and I both know that you want this. Dr. Nichols quickly leans in to kiss her. Joe suddenly becomes scared and disgusted as he moves from her lips to her cheek and then to her ear. As Dr. Nichols begins to nibble on her neck, he begins to move his right hand in between her legs, disappearing under her skirt. Joe's facial expression changes as she feels his cold hands move aside her underwear and enter her vagina. His fingers slowly reach within. Oh, yes. Joe's eyes become watery with fear. Suddenly, Dr. Nichols yelps in pain. Ah! Dr. Nichols quickly removes his hand and steps back in pain. He suddenly catches sight of a spider falling from the darkness between Joe's legs and skirt and onto the floor. Joe looks down and screams. Ah! 
She quickly closes her legs and jumps off his desk, covered in black and yellow with a hint of red on his abdomen. This scary-looking spider with long, thin legs quickly scurries away from the scene and disappears under Dr. Nichols' desk and into the shadows. Joe finds herself grabbing a fistful of her skirt in fear. She leans against the wall in tears as she quickly looks at Dr. Nichols. Dr. Nichols looks at the underside of his right index finger and sees two puncture marks surrounded by a black and purple flesh. He grabs his hand in pain as he begins to feel immediately sick and cold sweats appear on his face. Dr. Nichols suddenly falls to his knees and feels the pain cursing through his arm and then the rest of his body. Dr. Nichols falls to his side as Joe slowly slides against the wall towards the door in fear. Joe watches Dr. Nichols struggling to say something as he stares at her with tears sliding down his face and traces of foam bubbling at the corners of his mouth. I'm sorry. Sorry. Joe dashes out the door as Dr. Nichols shifts his body onto his back as he arches in pain. The sound of his heartbeat is heard racing and gradually it begins to slow down. Looking at the ceiling, Dr. Nichols gargles in pain and suddenly exhales his last dying breath. And scene, Jack. Ah, <laughs> I just wanted to hold on to that. <laughs> and scene. That's it. That's what you get for messing with the spider gene. I know. Listen, Do- Julian, welcome back. J- Dr. Nichols is such an overt creepy jerk. He screams at her during rehearsal. He's already having what seems to be a very improper relationship with the Bonnie character. Then he starts to pull Uh this crap with Joe as the scene goes on. And if you want to talk about people getting their comeuppance, I was never more happy to hear about a spider falling out from some girl's skirt than what happened in that scene just then. Yes. Thank you. How did you write that scene? uh, Well, um, initially I was uh, inspired by so many horror films. You know, like I you know, like there's always jerks in real life, and of course, of course there'll always be jerks in film. But um, I just wanted to, I wanted to make their desire also a trap. And one of the biggest things that inspired me was like the movies like Teeth. Uh, we talked about uh, Vagina, Vagina Dentata. I'm mm-hmm. not sure if you guys heard of that. I'm Absolutely. not sure if I'm saying that right. And then like uh, Black Swan about transformation, and it was just those um, characters lead women just inspired me. And yeah, and that's how I came up to this area. But I wanted to be something different where it was just not inside them, but I wanted to make it something outward that they can actually see their punishment coming towards them. I love it. I love the whole, I mean, because the spiders are part of her past now. Right. And having them just like kind of be these little henchmen onto her journey of becoming Spider Woman is like really kind of fun. <laughs> Julian, I think you do an interesting thing with this script too, where even though Joe is, you know, quote unquote, the monster, I think there's a lot of people around her who are more monstrous in the way they act. And there, there's a lot about the script too, where she's sort of figuring stuff out. She doesn't know where any of this came from. She doesn't know why these things are happening around her. It, it There's sort of, she's learning about it as the audience is too. And I think there's a level of like her sort of being the point of entry and the person you're supposed to sympathize with in the story was that was that a conscious effort on your part yes i wanted the i wanted the audience to understand that that in a world of monsters she's not going to be the monster but she will have to do whatever it takes to do actions that other people might seem monstrous mm-hmm. and i wanted the audience to grow with her because in the beginning of the script um it shows her to be you know a sad depressing young girl but eventually and hopefully with the audience uh, or with the actions that she does on the terrible people that do terrible things onto her, that she will get out of it, that she will grow, and that she will learn and hone in on not only uh, her power of a creature, but as a power as a person. 
Did you have fun writing this? Because there's a lot. One of the things that I think that people that maybe one of the luxuries of writing sort of a more horror kind of script is you don't necessarily have to be subtle if you don't want to. And it's it's okay. And I think there's a lot of elements in this script of one of the police officers that's investigating it is called Detective Weaver. Uh, there's a mm-hmm. at one point in a flashback where we're learning about where Joe came from. There's uh, this guy is feeling very suicidal, and he's in that that forest in Japan where I, I think it, it's a thing that people tend to commit suicide in there. And at one point, you talk about how this guy is feeling very suicidal, and he's got this rope that he's leading out of his backpack. And at one point in the script, you talk about how he's literally reached the end of his rope. Mm-hmm. Joe starts talking about how she's really going to embrace her demons as mm-hmm. she getting into it that's what i mean about like sort of having fun with this and not needing to be too too clever you can just straight up have fun with it was that was that a sense that you had when you were writing this yes i feel like with horror films and the fact that this uh the character as far as the creature was um inspired from japanese folklore and mythology you can actually just go anywhere with that and i loved the fluidity of just the characters in a fictional world and real world time because the forest is actually a real place. Um, it's known as Aokigahara right. or the Sea of Trees and it's actually infamously known in Japan um, at the base of Mount Fuji for suicides and they actually have signs telling people like, you know, this is suicide is not the last choice. You have options. Please call. And mm-hmm. I've actually been there with my family and it is a creepy place. You have like roots um, coming out of the soil like fingers and it's very luscious, and I guess it's because of the volcanic soil, and it's just everything green. But at the same time, you can you know that there's a sense of death in there because people have committed suicide. And the whole thing with the string, um, people have been known to you know walk the trail and then take one end of the string, tie it to a tree, and then just aimlessly go into the forest. Oh, and wow. if they decide to change their mind, they can actually find their way back. And sometimes. They don't change their mind, and other people will find the string and actually find a dead body at the other end. Oh, so man. I just mm. wanted to bring reality with supernatural imagination, and I thought it was just fun to go with it, but how, at the same time, respect towards it. How much research did you have to do to write this script? There was some, I love reading mythology, so I wanted to see how far I can take the character. I wanted to read as much as I could about Jerusalem, and it just depends who's telling the story and how it's translated, because some people, like um, some areas of Japan would call it uh, Spider-Woman as far as the translation of Jerogamo, but there's some that would call her Whore Spider. So it's just kind of interesting how mm. different variations among different people. And I think it just helped a lot more to get the sense of the area as far as the Aokigahara was actually being there. So while I was writing this, um, it was just a good feeling of a good feeling and at the same time a creepy feeling just remembering that time over there at the forest. And what even made it more scarier writing this is that since I was uh, living in Texas at that time while writing this, um, I think halfway through finishing it, I noticed that I was starting to get more spiders into my apartment. (laughs) They're um, coming to you. Yeah, right. So it kind of pushed me to uh, finish this and it was uh, research more spiders. And um, as far as Jorogamon, it actually inspired the name the Jodu spider. And they're actually quite beautiful if you actually look them up on the internet. Um, They're really... um, they're really bright yellow. They have like a nice hinge of red and they're not, um, from what I understand, not crazy, um, venomous to humans, but they are, uh, a deadly type of spider. Mm. 
Um, in this story, there's a lot of of like kind of singular standoffs. We have Joe with Dr. Nichols. We have Joe with Bonnie. We have Joe with Bonnie's friend. Then we have Joe with her new director. And um, throughout all of those moments, which one of them do you consider really the climax of the story? I would have to say the one with the new director because it just heads up to the at her highest peak before her full transformation. Yeah. But at the same time, it would have to cost a very big sacrifice to her personally. Mm. Yeah, that's true because, I mean, this guy, even though, again, I think this that when the new director comes in after Dr. Nichols dies from the spider bite he gets, they have to bring in an emergency director. And this guy, he's a younger guy. He's uh, you know, a little more dynamic. And he becomes extremely attracted to Joe, too, specifically because of the way she plays. And he's mm-hmm. a good-looking dude, so she's into him. And they start to establish a relationship that, again, I think that he's also abusing the power that he's got. But for whatever reason, Joe feels like she's consenting. And, yeah, you're right. Once they do sort of go off to have their little uh, tryst in this cabin, it it seems like everything is going okay. Um, All the conflict is kind of taken care of. All the people that were being openly mean to Joe have been dealt with by all these spiders that she's got. They died. And yeah, and it and it sort of builds to this moment with her and her guy, and then she pretty much rolls over and sees him dead on the ceiling. That's a you you. There's a that's build terrifying. Up, there's a buildup of like positive emotion for her, and she's like, "Oh my, I finally found this guy that I like," and now he's gone too. Yeah, and then at the same time, like her inner nature is fighting her you know, her emotions for this man, but still not care for it because they just want to curate what she's really about. Right. Her right. Nature. And, and uh, way at the end, you kind of see her true beauty, her true form, and her, and her talent still in existence as far as being a violinist, but at the moment, just amplified as being her. Her, spi- her being the spider woman, but not really her being Joe the character because, of course, Joe the character is fine. She yeah. She's a cool talented woman who's trying to make friends and then over the course of this whole thing she's kind of unwittingly having to go into this character into being this powerful spider being and uh the thesis i think of the whole thing is that she that that, that's just who she is she is this mythological Mm -hmm. person this mythological creature and this story is about her development into becoming that so even if she does potentially find love it doesn't work out for her because it never could she has to be the spider person Exactly. And I think it's interesting, too. She never really, there's no real comeuppance for her. Like, there's a lot of people that die, quote unquote, at her hands, or at least because of her, whether she's being conscious about it or not. These people are getting killed by these spiders that are coming from her. And even though the police are investigating things and she has a couple struggles with individual people that ended up dying, by the end of it, she has grown in the world of being an orchestral violinist and she's still performing. And and by the, the last page and the fade to black in your script, she's more famous and successful than she's ever been mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but uh i have to also know i have to also note that her transformation also made her physically different and that is why she was able to escape okay oh i got you okay mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. okay she left behind her old life really mm-hmm. yeah pretty much there's another element of fear that i think is interesting that plays into this too when when dr nichols gets killed by that first sort of <clears throat> spider bite and they're the police show up to investigate this 
why there's a person who's dead all of a sudden and they see that he's got this bite in his finger. Okay, well, that came from a venomous spider that's probably this. Boy, it doesn't make any sense that he's got that much venom in his system, but okay, that's probably what it is. And then they're trying to maybe fumigate the place and they're searching around for these little spiders that how in the heck are you supposed to find them in a big building? Like there's a, there's a whole element of fear there for like the audience just to get skeeved out if nothing else by you, how are you supposed to stop some tiny little thing that can crawl through little crevices and holes and still work its way into you. Exactly. I just, I wanted to put like an illusion of invisibility for the spiders. And as soon as you start saying what I mean is like um, when she confronts her, uh, Dr. Nichols, uh, other Bonnie, uh, when she starts to be cruel to her in the alley, you start to see the fact that the spiders were actually coming into existence, you know, from her own body, right. not from like, right. with Dr. Nichols' case as far as in between her legs, but this time from her hair. Right. Mm-hmm. And she starts to deal with different species of spiders, like brown recluses. So um, I kind of wanted to make uh, Joe a doorway for endless spiders of different kinds mm-hmm. and the appropriate punishment for whoever uh, comes after her. <laughs> so you've you've written uh, you said you've written some other some books and this is sort of your first screenplay do you have plans with this as far as whether you'd be able to have this produced or or, or sell it off to somebody who would produce it for you what what would you like to see done with this script well um i've been sending out query letters you know just doing the appropriate you know um everyday writers do and at the same time well my background was in photography and photo editing so i've been doing a lot of uh social media out, um just putting it out there with different background images uh taglines um segments from the screenplay and i'm just going to keep forward until someone takes an interest and just keep on sending uh query letters and just do the hard work from there mm-hmm. but i would love for it to be uh into a full feature film that's for sure keep it uh, the authenticity as far as new fresh faces uh, while having background of maybe noticeable character or noticeable actors but i just wanted it to be something different that you don't often see in horror films you know it, it makes sense that you have a photography background because there were a lot of times in the script where i felt like the writing the, so the way you describe certain scenarios like when she's in the bathroom and her reflection is like sort of sneering back at her and and the walls that are reflected in the mirrors of the bathroom have spiders covering from covering them. There were a lot of visual, there's a lot of visual elements in the script that I think came through really strongly in the writing. I appreciate that. Thank you. Sure. Yeah, I just, um, so I've worked with um, auction houses and I wanted to like capture in, um, a scene of classic antiquity and I just wanted to put some kind of age to it. And whenever I write, whether for basic novels or screenplays, I just want to put age and history and culture into the creative scene so yeah appreciate it i think it definitely gives it a very specific feel yeah which works in this world undoubtedly and i think that adds layers to it also it makes things a little more complex than just doing a you know it's not just a story about monster spiders it's rooted in a very specific cultural mythological thing and i think that that just gives it a really nice set of layers yeah and i i wanted to work with mythology as far as horror because my official degree is anthropology, and I just love mm. I love cultures from all all around the world. And since my sister got in got me into the whole film industry, because she has a degree in uh, creative and digital media, and she'd always take me to these plays and these independent student films to work in the background, and I just see how it works. And then she told me about screenwriting, and it was in fact my sister Selena who got me into this, and. Um, 
as far as future projects, I really want to still keep on working with uh, mythology. And right now I'm working on a Scottish myth uh, in regards to the red cap. And I'm not sure if you're familiar with red caps, but they are old, creepy old men who haunt the castles around um, uh, Scotland, and they would chase down victims and then uh, dip their hats in their blood, and that's why they're known mm. as red caps. Cool. So, I didn't know that Yeah, one. So, yeah, so I, I'm currently working on that one, and I just want to keep like uh, a connection to the myth world, and at the same time with my projects with small crossovers with characters. So you might see Joe in this one. Ooh, oh, I like cool. that. Yeah. Yeah. And then after I finish the whole Red Cat project, I might start with something else with uh, a homage to the Red Cat character to that third one, and so on and so forth. I think that's super cool. So it's like a, a homage. It's kind of like a American Horror Story, but featured film kind of thing yeah there's a through line to it yeah julian if if somebody did hear these things that you're you're working on between this story and the scottish one and whatever else may come forward or other things that you talked about and if they wanted to get a hold of you what what's their best way of, of doing that so i do have a website and it has all my works from art photography my novels and screenplays and all i have to do is just go to the eighth house dash art.com and the eighth is uh, the number eight, T-H, and not the word. So the eighthhouse-art.com. Or they can visit me on my Instagram account at uh, the eighth house. Nice. Yeah, the eighth house art. Okay. And Frank, we'll uh, have the links for that uh, on your page. They're available on scriptshopshow.com. If that, if that works for you, that'd be great. Yeah, that's awesome. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for being on the show with us, Julian. It was great and to thank start. thank you for having me. I of, really appreciate it. Of course. Yeah, it's our thanks, pleasure. Man. Thanks for being creepy for us, right? Just in the nick of time when we needed somebody to be creepy. It worked out well. <laughs> thank you. Not that you were creepy. Thank you for submitting creepy work. I probably should qualify, clarify that a little bit. <laughs> you know what All I mean. Good. Thanks, man, very much. Yeah. Appreciate your time. And again, happy anniversary. Thank, thank you very you. much. There we go. That's Julian. Wow. Oh, gosh. I do love... This is a... Um, this is a tight world that they live in. You know, mm-hmm. we, we didn't really dive into, like, the culture of the orchestra other than maybe it lends to some of the classical and, um, antiquity that we talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, but that whole thing, like, really fuels how people behave in the script and what their interactions are and how competitive you can see people being in this, which fuels Bonnie, which fuels right. a friend, which in some ways fuels Joe as well, mm-hmm. but maybe much on a marginal level. Well, and I think that the, the competitiveness between people that are in the orchestra, especially between like Bonnie and Joe, that's something that Dr. Nichols uses as a weapon to right. further him Again, being abusive. Yeah, but what they don't know is that we have this beautiful spider woman. Yeah. A new I, I hate saying Spider Woman over okay. and over again because Spider Man is a thing. So it's like, well, Spider Woman's a thing too, and yeah, in this case, well, a very specific kind of Spider Woman. Yeah, it's definitely her. Um, but I do like the idea that like there's really once you understand where the script's coming from, there's no other way this is going to end. Yeah, this is sure. exactly how this has has to be. Yeah, because it's based off of this lore, which it didn't exactly come from Julian. It came from centuries of this type of storytelling in Japan. Yep. Which is very cool. I dig that very much, and that's that's a that's a story that I didn't know. Right, me I neither. I would want like the first three questions that I have written down here: Why spiders? Why orchestra? Walk us through the genesis of this story, and, and that's there it very is. clearly right there rooted. Yeah. If you've got a story that has very clear genesis roots, that's a good segue. Uh, you can send them to us, and you can do that by uh, going on to scriptshopshow.com slash submit or going on to Film Freeway and looking up Script Shop, and you can send us your work. And if you connect with us certain ways. What, what, what are the phrases that pay? 
Oh my gosh. We got way too forget? many now. No, we have a hashtag missed anniversary. We have hashtag <laughs> pizza sandwich and hashtag hot burrito, the OG hashtag to get your script to the front of the line. And if you are online, you just feel like popping around the internet a little bit, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, Script Shop Show or Your Bestie Westie on Twitter. Uh, I'm at Script Shop Jack on Twitter. Yeah. So you can see us there. Um, get on Patreon, send us some buccarinis. <laughs> Check out all of our cool artists online because they are really amazing people doing neat things with their art. Yeah, and we've, you know, and because this is our year, it, it, we've been doing this show for a year now, we've got a nice little backlog that we've got going on of shows and scripts yeah. for you to check out. Just go to scriptshopshow.com and see what we have Poke to offer around. there. Yeah. yeah. And pictures, we've got pictures. We have, we have pictures. We have pictures. Oh my God, pictures. You have a lot of options. Folks, thank you for sticking with us for the last year. <laughs> if you've been there from the get-go. Thank you. Is this where we get schmushy? I mean, we can get we a little should. schmoopy with it. I sure. think we should. It's been a year. Frank, What do you have any thoughts? It's been a year. It's been a good year. Yeah. Yeah, right? Aw. Mm, we're having a moment, folks. And I don't know how really long it's going to last, but we're here. All right. Well, I think that I think the moment might have passed. Well, I think we're still in it. It's just it's just very us flavored. I get you know? it. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Well, Jack, I love you. Love you too. Frank, I love you too. I like you guys both. That's awesome. <laughs> I'll, I'll take, take it. it. I'll take yeah, it. That's yeah, that's fine. That's fine. That's very yeah, frank. That's that's what we love about about you, Frank. That and many many other things. And listeners, we love you too. So yes. thanks for sticking with us. Um, we're excited about all the things we have ahead of us. So until next week, that's a wrap. Script Shop was created by Allison West, hosted by Allison West and Jack Crumley, produced by Frank Steele. Thanks to iHeartMedia Cincinnati for use of their studio. Intro music, Retro Soul by bensound.com. Outro music by purple-planet.com. Special thanks to all our guests. Thanks for listening. Script Shop.